Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. The book of Joshua, chapter 5 and verse 13. If you're there, can you give me a little yes? Come on, are you awake? This is my third service. Don't make it hard for me. Make it easy. An apple and a coffee will get me a little way, but a little bit of love will get me a long way. I feed off your encouragement. If you're there, shout yes. Yes. Wonderful. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. If you were going to pick a guy in the Bible who has a good understanding of God, then I think your shortlist would have to include Joshua. When we're looking at characters in the Bible and what they have already experienced of God in their lives, I think we would all agree that Joshua's experiences have been amazing. I mean, to think that Joshua was a young man in Egypt and witnessed the plagues and the salvation of God as God brought them out, to see what then took place in the next stages as the Red Sea parted and a pillar of cloud led them by day, fire by night. When we think about all the experiences of God that Joshua has in his life, I think we would all agree this is a guy with a pretty great revelation of God. And this is of importance to you and me this morning because at the end of the day, our lives are going to become a reflection of the revelation that we have of God. We could accurately say that you are going to define your life by what you understand of God. In fact, this is true because the revelation you have of God is going to determine your expectation in life. If you have a revelation of a big God, then your expectation of life is going to be big. If you have a revelation of a small God or a stingy God or an angry God, if your God resembles Bruce Almighty who said, smite me, O mighty smiter, then my friend, your expectation of life is going to be that you will be smit or that something bad is going to happen to you or judgment is just around the corner. Your revelation of God will form the basis of your expectation in life. But here's the next one is that your revelation forms the basis of your expectation. Your expectation causes a confirmation. What I mean by that is that the way you see God will determine what you expect of life and what you expect of life is gonna determine the way you see the events of your life. 
Your expectations become a filter, the lens through which you see the things that are happening to you. Let me put that in context. If you have a revelation of a God who is able to heal, then your expectation is that God is gonna cure that sickness. So when you experience a tragedy or a difficulty in your life, you're gonna look at that problem and say, the problem is big, but my God is bigger. If you have a revelation though of a God who is a judgmental and harsh God waiting to punish you for your past sins, if you think of Him as a God with a ruler waiting for you to take a step out of line, then when your child is ill or when your finances go through difficulty or when you lose your job, you're gonna say about those events, this is the result of my past sins, and so therefore this is God punishing me. Your revelation of God forms the base of your expectation and then determines the way you see your events of life. This has a much more powerful end because revelation leads to expectation. Expectation causes a, a confirmation, but a confirmation leads to a realization. What I'm literally saying to you this morning is that what you understand of God is gonna determine what you expect of life. What you expect of life will determine the way that you see life. The way that you see life will determine the way you live. More succinctly, let me say, you will always end up living where your revelation of God led you. We began the series a few weeks ago, quite a while ago, the week after Easter, with the thought that you will always end up living where your spirit calls home. And here we've got this amazing story of Joshua. And when we think about Joshua, we realize that this is a guy with an unbelievable revelation of God. He has experienced God in so many ways. And my friends, I believe that God wants you and I to have a great revelation of God so that we will set the sights of our expectations much higher than maybe we have been. And then when we go through difficulties, we won't feel like they're bigger than us, but we'll realize that God is always with us, that we can conquer our obstacles, and that we will end up living where God truly wants us to live. And we've got Joshua here at this amazing moment in his life. And when we think about Joshua, we realize this is a guy who understands, knows, and has experienced God. He saw the plagues. He was led by the pillar of fire. Water came from a rock. Manna appeared in the morning when they needed food to eat. Joshua was the guy who when Moses would go outside the camp to have a conversation with God in the face, in, in the tent of meeting, and God would appear to Moses face to face, it was Joshua who attended to Moses, stood outside and could overhear the conversations God was having with Moses. In fact, when Moses had finished getting his download from heaven and went back to the the people. It was Joshua who would crawl into that tent and enjoy the afterglow of the presence of God. Did you know that not even the elders of Israel were allowed up Mount Sinai when God inscribed on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments, yet one young man was allowed to go higher than any other and his name is Joshua? Joshua has experienced God. Joshua knows God. He has an understanding of God. But Moses, his mentor, his hero, has just died. God has commanded Joshua, and as a result of that command, he has led the children of Israel out of the wilderness where he's lived for the last 40 years, into the promised land, a place that he has only been for 40 days, 40 years prior to it. 
He is living now in an entirely new reality. He has been led by a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day for the last 40 years of his life and it's now gone. He has eaten manna, that manna, sorry, that fell from heaven every single morning for the last 40 days and the manna is gone. Moses is gone and the cloud is gone and the manna is gone and the environment is entirely new. Joshua, when our passage of Scripture is written, is a new leader being asked by God to take the Israelites into previously uncharted territory. And friend, I want you to know that no matter how long you've been on the journey of your life, God's got a new chapter and a new page for you. Joshua woke up that day and found himself in a new normal. And you and I are going to wake up too and find ourselves in a new normal. God's got things still ahead of us, new territory for us to take, new promises for us to possess. And if you believe it, give me a little amen in this place this morning. And when Joshua is standing in this incredible position, he is familiar with God in so many ways. He knows that God is a God of visions and dreams because that's the basis of their national identity. God came to Abraham and He gave him a vision and a dream. And aren't you glad to be part of a faith that has its roots in the fact that God's got dreams and plans and visions for you? A God who said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The faith that is visionary by nature. And Joshua is familiar with this God of visions and dreams. When he thinks about God, he is familiar with Him as a God of deliverance, a God who will bring you out. And if you found Jesus already, then you're familiar with the fact that God can deliver you out of the bondage to sin and death and give us freedom too, right? We, we understand that God can deliver us. He's familiar with the God, not only of deliverance, but of provision a God who can provide for you. And I pray that you continue to know that God as we all should know that God, a God who can always provide for His people. He's familiar with a God of protection. When Israel faced up obstacles, when armies came out to attack Israel, it was Joshua who led the troops, who saw the hand of God work in miraculous ways and saved Israel and protected Israel. And my friend is Joshua is standing in this position now. Maybe he is a guy who thinks he's figured God out. Maybe Joshua, when our text is written, is a man who thinks that because of what he's already experienced that he now, he now knows God. Maybe he's fallen into the trap of saying, I've defined God. I, I, I've, I understand God. I am familiar with God. And maybe you've come to this point in your life where you think you've figured God out and maybe you feel like you've been on the journey and you get church and you get God and you know what it's all about. And no matter how long you've been following Jesus, in fact, I've found that the number one reason why people don't follow Jesus yet is because they think they've already figured God out and they don't even know Him yet. And no matter how long you've been on this journey or if you're even yet to jump on this journey, if you've been following Jesus for half your life or all of your life, I want you to know that we never get to a place where we get to say, I am a person who has finally defined God. The God of the universe doesn't live in the boxes we make for Him. The God of the universe defies our definitions. 
He is greater than we understand Him to be. He has more power yet that we are to encounter. He has greater ways than we are yet to fathom or understand. In fact, in Psalm 50 verse 21, He said to His people, you thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you to your face. I'm not like you, I'm greater than. You don't make a box for me. I'm not the God of the box. I'm the God of the box breaker. And Joshua finds himself in this position, standing on a hill, looking out at the walls of Jericho, looking at his new challenge and feeling unable to conquer it with his current revelation of God. And I found in life, and I reckon you have too, that the size of our God will determine the size of our obstacle. We can accurately say that really it is not the size of the obstacle that counts, but the size of God and the face of the obstacle that really counts. And the Bible tells us about Joshua, that he is standing in this amazing position and he is looking at Jericho. And this is what Joshua is thinking. The God of provision is not gonna help me now. I don't need manna to fall, I need walls to fall. A God of protection isn't what I need in this moment because they're not coming out of the city. They don't believe that I can get in. I don't need a God who's gonna help me when my enemy comes out. I need a God who can take me in. Without any revelation of God for his current situation, Joshua is in this moment and he's thinking to himself, this problem is my problem. In front of him, there appears a man and he says to the man, he says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? In other words, this is my problem. Which team are you on? And if you're here today and you feel like you've got problems in your life, but they're your problems and God's left you alone in those problems, then my friend, this message is absolutely for you. The Bible tells us that Joshua is standing, this leader with a a thin veneer of confidence, looking at the walls of Jericho, saying we're going into battle, yet unaware of how he's gonna see victory. A man looking at a problem and feeling that this problem is bigger than him. Ever felt like that? And the Bible tells us that between Joshua and the walls of Jericho, there appears a man, a man with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua doesn't recognize the man. He doesn't know what this man means for him. He doesn't know what this man represents for him. And so he asks him a question. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Oh, if Joshua had to realize who this man was, he would realize that the man didn't come to take sides. The man came to take over. Yet Joshua is standing in this amazing position. And as he asks this question of this unrecognizable, unfamiliar man that is standing in front of him, the response comes from this this person. He says, neither as commander of the armies of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua begins to realize, it starts to dawn on Joshua that God might've come to Abraham with a vision and dream and he might've come to Moses with a promise of deliverance and he might've come to Israel with provision for their daily needs. But now standing in front of him is a being and he begins to realize this is not a man. This is God. But this is God turning up in my life in a way that I am unfamiliar. And Joshua had an encounter that moment with an unfamiliar God, an unfamiliar God. 
And my friends, I believe that the words of God to Joshua that moment are words that come to you and I. As commander of the armies of the Lord, I have now come. I came that way. I moved that way. You've already grasped me at that level. But as commander of the armies of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua falls to his face in reverence, realizing that this is not just a man, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, turning up in his life in a way that he is unfamiliar. You know, my friends, as long as God is God, He will move in our lives in ways that we are unfamiliar. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was already a prophet when Isaiah chapter 6 was written. The Bible tells us that Isaiah is standing in the temple next to the high priest when he sees a vision of the Lord. And the Bible says that his train of his robe filled the temple with glory and celestial beings circled the throne of God, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And a prophet, a prophet, a man who used his mouth to declare the words of God falls to his face and says, woe is me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people unclean lips and mine eyes have seen the Lord, the Lord Almighty. In other words, Isaiah was already a man who used his mouth, yet he said, oh my gosh, my mouth is not worthy of being used by God as he realized who God was in all of his majesty. He had an encounter with God that day, Isaiah did, but the encounter he had was with an unfamiliar God. That encounter turned Isaiah from just a normal man to a living oracle, a man who literally declared the new pages of Scripture as a result of this encounter. And Joshua had an encounter and Isaiah had an encounter with a God that was unfamiliar. And could it be that you and I, we also need God to turn up in our lives in ways that we are unfamiliar? The disciples had been following Jesus for three years when they were walking down the street and saw a man on the side of the road who had been born blind, born blind. And when they saw the man, these disciples who'd eaten with Jesus and, you know, they slept and like, I don't know, they're all in the same environment, I don't know, Marai styles or something, but they're all hanging out together. And then the Bible literally says that they said to Jesus, who sent this man or his parents? that he was born blind. You gotta be a really heinous sinner in the womb to be born blind, right? I mean, uh, what did he do? Kick his mom in the kidney? I don't know. And Jesus is like, man, you guys, you just don't get me. You, you, You don't understand me. This man was not born blind so that we could just level blame for who caused the problem. Problems don't exist for Christians to label them. Problems exist for Christians to solve them. But that the works of God might be revealed in him, Jesus said. And then he spoke to the man. He said, rise up and walk. God's looking for a people who become familiar with him as a God who wants to move in people's lives, not leave them in their problems. Come on. You know, when we think about the Apostle Peter, Peter followed Jesus because Jesus had power. Because Jesus was like, you know, I've given you authority over all the enemies, power. Peter loved that power. Peter loved it. You know, he loved it. He loved it when Jesus was like literally able to speak to lame people and command them to walk when Lazarus was in a tomb and Jesus said, come out. Peter's like, that's my guy. That's my, that's my leader. That's my homeboy. He's like, you know, He loves that kind of God. 
He, he was probably the apostle who came back to Jesus and said, we saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That was probably Peter. Love the power. Pity any person who attaches divinity to power without love. God is not just God because He is a God of absolute power. He is also God because He is a God of unconditional love. And that God allowed the events of Peter's life to be orchestrated in such a way that standing beside a fire outside the high priest's courtyard, Peter looking as soldiers ripped their hair from Jesus' beard and beat him with their fists. Peter, a man who had boldly declared, I will never deny you, denied Jesus not just once, not just twice, but three times. After his third denial of Christ, the Bible says, then Jesus turned and he looked at Peter. Imagine Peter's surprise. To discover in the eyes of Jesus, not condemnation, judgment, hatred, resentment, or disappointment, but love. Peter had an encounter with God that day. But the God Peter encountered was for Peter, an unfamiliar God. But if Peter was going to be entrusted with leading the early church, he needed to know that God is not just powerful, but he is loving. Thomas, on the other hand, followed Jesus because of his love. He loved it. I mean, Jesus fed the 5,000. He said, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're mourning, come to me. I'll comfort you. If you're weak and heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. He, you know, he cared for people. He wept at funerals. Jesus was a caring guy. And Thomas loved the fact that Jesus was authentic and he was a God of love. And my friends, just as we should pity the former, we should also pity anyone who attaches divinity to love without power. We live in a time when people would love Jesus to just be a God of love, but not a God of power. But friends, I want you to know that He is God not just because of His unconditional love, but because He has power over life and death, over the grave, because He is risen from the dead and alive forevermore. He is a God of life and a God of faith and a God of miracles. He is a God of power, and if you believe it, give Him some praise in this building right now. Come on. Thomas doubted that power, questioned God's ability. So Thomas was allowed by Jesus to be outside the room when He appeared after His resurrection to the other 10 remaining disciples. For three days, He was a lonely character. He declared, I will never believe unless I see. I will never believe unless I see. After three lonely days, Jesus appeared. And as Jesus appeared, he said to Thomas in Matthew, sorry, the book of John chapter 20 and verse 27, he said, Thomas, put your hand in my side. See and touch. Listen, for somebody in this room, stop doubting and believe. John chapter 20, verse 28 is the most personal accolade anybody ever gave Jesus while he was on this planet. He said, my Lord, and my God, as he understood that Jesus was not just a God of unconditional love, but a God of resurrection power. And that God to Thomas was an unfamiliar God. I've just got this feeling that as we bring this series to a close, 
God wants to take you and I into a new normal. God wants to take us further in our lives than we've been. But if we're resting on yesterday's understanding of God, we're not gonna be able to keep ourselves in the new things that God is wanting us to do. And maybe you've reached this point in your life where you're in a strangely unfamiliar environment. Maybe you've entered a new chapter of your life too. Or maybe God is just wanting to take you there. Well, this is what I know. Yesterday's revelation is not enough for tomorrow's opportunities. If we're gonna move into what God's got, we must continue to learn of who He is. We must continue to press in for a greater understanding of Jesus. Does anybody believe there are still Jerichos to come down, still obstacles in our way, still new ground for us to take for God, but that God is able, God is for us, God is on our side. If you believe that He is, I want you to give Him a praise break right now. Come on. Oh, He is a great God. He is a mighty God. But whether it be Peter's vision of a sheet with unclean animals or the warrior that fought with Jacob all night or the blinding light Saul encountered on the road to Damascus from the beginning of the Bible to the end and throughout every page of history, we discover of God that no matter how much you know of Him, there is still more to understand. He will always remain in part an unfamiliar God. And there are three things I wanna leave you with as I bring this message to a close. And the first one is that what you know can get in the way of what you need. Isn't that true? Sometimes the greatest obstacle to what God wants to show you is what you already know. And if we rest in what we know, it can get in the way of what we need. And Joshua knew a lot about God. Yet here we find him standing alone, afraid, without a solution to a new and monumental problem, standing on a summit with a hollow coal for war with an empty feeling in his soul, with only a veneer and, and millions of people following him and resting upon his knowledge and leadership. And this moment is a moment when he needs something new of God and I believe God brought you to this moment in your life because we need more of him as well. Because what we know is our tradition, but what we need is a new revelation. So standing in front of Joshua appears a previously unknown man, an unfamiliar God. And Joshua's response in this moment of pressure, and if I've just got one key for you in all of this message other than just to awaken your soul, it would be Joshua's response to the unfamiliar God. When God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy, and Joshua did so. When Joshua adopted a posture of worship, he positioned himself to understand more of God. And I found that when my problems are great, my natural tendency is to do more in the strength of John. When God is saying to me, and I believe He's saying to you, learn more of the character of God. That if I would stop looking for more power from me and more understanding of Him, that I would realize that He is bigger than this obstacle, greater than this challenge. He promised He would never leave me, never leave me alone, and that He is with me always, even into the end of the age. And I want you to know, if you feel afraid, if you feel alone, if you feel the mountain is high or the wall is great, or if the report looks too bad, I want you to know that we serve the same risen Jesus who's got life and power and healing and miracles, who brings down walls and takes His people through. A God who's got more for you in your life. Come on, if you believe it, give Him a great praise in this building today.
Oh, man. I tell you what, I'm enjoying my own message right now. Am I allowed to say that? I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying it's feeding my own soul. Number two, the second thing I want you to know is that what we know is what we've done. And what we need is what to do now. Yesterday's plan is tomorrow's limit. Yesterday's traditions is today's irrelevancy. God doesn't want the church or his people or you living in some era of the past that we feel familiar with, identifying ourselves with traditions of what we've been in. He wants us to continue to reach for him. We're here to be worshipers, not religious. I found that the challenges and that challenges are not primarily about how much effort they require to solve, but about whether I know what to do with the challenge. Once I know what to do, I'm okay. Once I've figured out the solution, everything's all right. We got this new dog, Coco, and I love Coco. She's amazing. She's got my heart. But by you know, we arrived on Saturday. By by Tuesday. Well, she'd been a dream. And then <laughs> she started being a puppy. An eight-week-old puppy on Tuesday. And I was like, have I done the wrong thing? Because I don't know anything other than this. I'm a one-talent guy. If this doesn't work, I'm stuffed. Well, on Wednesday, we went to puppy school. And in 40 minutes, this woman who was like an oracle <laughs> told me everything I needed to know. And problems that have filled me with fear were suddenly just little steps I needed to take. Isn't your problem like that? God's faced He's faced your challenge already. You're not the first marriage in trouble God's ever come across. You're not the first person with an illness God's ever encountered. Jericho's not the first city God conquered. And what intimidates us is not a challenge to Him. And when we discover more of Him, Who's ever heard of going around a city six times and then on the seventh day, march around it seven times, shouting and the walls come tumbling down? What took months, Israel did in a week. When you get an innovation, you can do more in a shorter period of time. And you think your marriage is over, but when you discover God's amazing forgiveness and start to sow it into your marriage, you'll discover that what you thought would be a lifetime of divorce might be just a few months of a, of a constant choice to forgive and there's a whole new tomorrow. True? That's why I love life groups. Because we face Jerichos in our life. Two people in this room have a debt of $10,000. For one of you, $10,000 is like I will never have a life, never have a future. For another, it's a totally surmountable problem. What's the difference? What they understand of God and what they understand of the problem. When you discover more of God, you discover more of what to do. 
That's why I love my life group. I'm in a parenting life group. And I realized about four weeks ago that God is always in control of God, but I lose control of me. So if I'm going to be a great parent, the child will be out of control, but I must always be in control. And I discovered more of God, and I discovered more of how to do this thing that I probably should have learned 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> the third one, and I'm done, I've gone over time, so Ben can come up, it's been a big morning. Number three, when you do something new, you go somewhere new. And I just want to tell you, maybe you've got a Jericho in your life, whether it's your marriage or your career or your finances or your dreams or the future that you feel God's got for you. But if you feel alone in the challenge that you face, then rest in this truth. You and I are never alone. God is always with us. Let us adopt that posture of worship that Joshua chose. Let us look for our king and discover that there is an unfamiliar God who has something new to show to us. And his new revelation will lead to a new life. Can you stand to your feet with me all over the service? Thank you, Jesus. God loves you, you know. God cares about us. Sometimes he's right there. Right there, but we don't see him. He said, call upon me. I will answer you. Joshua, this man who'd seen God do so much. In a moment, just forgot that God was always right there. Maybe today this whole message, this whole moment is just for somebody in this room to realize that God is here for you. He's here for you. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.